This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, friends. I'm so excited to share some time with you today. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and it is my privilege to guide us for the next 35 minutes or so as we continue to engage with God. And I want to share one thing with you right from the beginning. And if it's your first time here or you're just checking out Christianity, you may not believe this to be true, and that's okay. But I'm trusting that the more you come, the more you'll find this to be true. At New Life, we believe that there is a God. And God's not some distant deity that kind of hangs out over there. But God's more like a personal, powerful, all-loving, all-good Heavenly Father who wants to partner with you in life. And you may have had a friend bring you here today, but we believe that it's actually God who wanted you to be here because God wants to meet with you this morning. And we also believe that God knocked down every barrier that would keep us from encountering him. That Jesus, when he left heaven and came to earth and gave his life on a cross, he broke down every barrier so that every single one of us could have a relationship with this perfect, powerful, loving, heavenly father. So as a church, we try to break down any barrier that would keep you from encountering God, which is why we always tell you, make yourself at home. If that means grabbing some coffee or tea and bringing it in, go ahead. If that means kicking off your shoes and turning a chair around and putting your feet up, go ahead. We just want you to get comfortable and engage with God. We're trying to get rid of all the trappings that could keep us from really connecting with him so that we can fully connect with a God who loves us deeply. And a couple of things we do to get on the same page each week as we take this journey are found inside our program. So go ahead and grab your program. You should have received one when you came in. If you didn't, there are extras at the back tables. And go ahead and grab this card that says Start Here. This is our connection card. It helps us stay connected to you. It will help you stay connected to us and the things we're doing here at New Life and in our city and around the world. And we just ask you to put your name on this each week. And if you're a guest with us, put your name and maybe your email address on it. And I won't ask you to do anything with this yet. But if I've gained your trust over the next 35, 40 minutes, I'm going to pass some baskets a little later, and I'm just going to ask you to drop this in the basket. It's just a simple way for us to stay connected to you as you're taking next steps in your spiritual journey, as you're looking to get plugged in. So go ahead and get that ready. The other thing you want are the teaching notes. They've got the Bible verses we're looking at today. They've got some space to fill in the blank. They've got places to write down questions and ideas and thoughts. I've got a few resources that I'm going to suggest for us a little later that you're going to want to have. And then on the back of those, if you're part of a life group, which are these small group gatherings, Your life group discussion questions are on there, so you can take them home. You can keep thinking about what we're talking about today, and then when you get into life group, you can keep digging into it together. So go ahead and and get that ready. Can you believe how far into the fall we already are? When we started this series, I said we'd spend eight or ten weeks kind of digging into this weird series, looking at the topic of wisdom, and we're already eight weeks into this series. This is the end of our series together. And if you've missed any part of this series, or maybe you're just coming in for the first time today and you like what you hear, uh, you can hear the rest of this series if you go to our website, which is newlifepetaluma.org, and click on media. All of our messages are on there from this series and our past ones. Or you can grab our podcast if you just search for newlifepetaluma.org. But we are rounding the corner of this series, and it's all about this basic idea that we've all said things, we've all done things, We've all made decisions, and looking back, we think to ourselves, next time, I'm not going to do that. Next time, I'm not going to say that. Next time, I'm not going to go there. Next time, I'm not going to date that type of guy. Next time, next time, next time. The problem is every next time leaves us with regret this time, and we've said to ourselves, what if we didn't have to wait till next time? 
what if we could get life right this time? Because there's a certain amount of unavoidable pain and heartache and regret in this world. There just is. But there's also a large amount of self-inflicted wounds that come every time we think next time we're going to get it right. And if we could just get it right this time, we could avoid the pain that comes with our next times. So we've been looking at the wisdom of God from a book called Proverbs. And I want to make sure, I've been trying to kind of give us some backstory each week, and I want to see how much you caught, so please don't let me down. There's a lot of you in here. Help me out. Um, Proverbs was written by a guy named... Okay, that's, that's pretty good. Okay, I'll take it um, for myself. That's like a B, B minus, and I feel like that's my grade, not yours. So you're right. Pretty good. Solomon. Solomon, was he dumb or was he smart? Smart. Okay, I'm feeling better about myself. Thank you. Uh, test over. You all passed. Many people believe Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. He was a king uh, over the nation of Israel, and we find his story in the Older Testament of the Bible, and we're told that God gave Solomon supernatural wisdom. And Solomon is the main contributor to this book that we call Proverbs, and it's a common sense, everyday living book that he wrote primarily to his son. And his goal was to help his son get his life right this time so he could avoid the avoidable heartache and pain that come from mistakes. We've been talking about how this wisdom of Solomon was everyday common sense wisdom when Solomon wrote it. But thousands of years later, as we're reading this, even though it makes sense to us up here, we look at the world around us, and this common sense wisdom is uncommon in the world around us. And we've said from the very beginning, if we choose to engage with the wisdom of God through the book of Proverbs, and we do it in the world around us, in our neighborhood, at work, in our family, we're going to look weird. But we said that's okay, because normal isn't working all that well anyway. What I want to do today, we've been looking at specific areas. We looked at our words. We looked at relationships. We looked at Um, work. We looked at integrity. We've looked at specific areas of life. But what I want to do today is I want to zoom back out and not talk about specifics, but talk big picture about orienting our life around wisdom. And here's why. We've all seen people, and if we're totally honest, and by the way, we're in church, so it's a good place to be totally honest. If If we're totally honest, we've all been people who have made wise choices in certain areas of life, and unwise choices in other areas of life. Maybe we've been, we've been wise at work and risen to the top of the corporate ladder, but unwise in our relationships. Or maybe we were wise in our marriage. We did the things, invested in our marriage the way we wanted to, but we were unwise with our finances. Maybe we were wise with finances, but we were unwise in friendships. And anytime we're wise in one area, but unwise in another, we could even be wise in eight out of ten areas and unwise in two the result for our life is a net loss. Did you ever notice that? We could be mostly wise in life, just have one or two key areas where we're not engaging in God's wisdom, and the result is not having a mostly great life with a few downsides. It's it's a net loss. Why is that? Well, it's because we're not disconnected beings. We don't have these different portions of life where we can be wise over here and unwise over here and still expect to have a great life. God created us to be connected beings, so that every part of our life bleeds and flows into every other part, which is why it's so important for us not just to take this series and be wise in certain areas, picking and choosing the places where we like God's wisdom, and then ignoring the places where we don't. It's so important if we really want to get the most out of life 
to zoom way out and ask ourselves this question, how would I choose to orient my life around God's wisdom? And Solomon gives us the secret as we wrap up the study of Proverbs, the secret to orienting our life around God's wisdom. And it starts out, there's three verses we're going to look at today. The first one is Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. And I'm going to have us underline three different things in these three verses because it's the keys to unlocking the secret. The first is this. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord. And I want you to to circle or underline the fear of the Lord because we're going to talk about that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That word fear literally means to revere or to honor or to to kind of place God way up high. It's kind of like when you're at work, if you see someone in your field and they, they've forgotten more about the business than you could ever hope to learn, and they're so much smarter than you, you just kind of put them up there like, wow, they know a lot. Or for those of us who have young kids, we get around certain parents, there are certain ones, and they seem to just get parenting. You know, like they know about children's developmental stages, they know how to parent well, and when we get around those people, we think, boy, I just want to lean to you, I want to learn from you. Even if I don't really understand why you're doing what you're doing, when we get around people who just know a lot more than us, we tend to naturally lean in to whatever they think. Now, if you multiply that out like a million times, we get God's wisdom over our wisdom. Now, we're like, some of us are 20 years old. By the way, very wise at 20. Um, And then we hit like 25 and we realize, oh, I didn't know everything. Do you remember that experience? I do. I had to go back and apologize to my parents so many times. It's like, hey, mom, dad, guess what? I didn't know everything. They're like, yeah, we've been there too. So some of us are 20 years old, 30, 40, 50, 70, 80. I met someone last week in third service who's 90 years old at our church. She's been coming for the last handful of months. She comes from North Santa Rosa all the way down, and she was the last person in church waiting for me. And it was so sweet. She said, Pastor Kevin, I love new life. I've been coming for a few months now, and this church has changed my life at 90 years old. Isn't that awesome? I love that. That's just like, it made me so happy. But here's what, here's what we have to understand. Even at 90 years old, with all the wisdom that she's acquired from 90 years of life, When we take her wisdom, compared to God's wisdom, there's not even a comparison. And Solomon says this, the more we understand how much bigger and broader and deeper God's wisdom about the world is than ours, we will naturally revere him or fear him. And the fear of God, that understanding that God is so much higher than us is the beginning of wisdom. You could say it like this, if we want to orient our lives around wisdom, it begins when we have a high view of God. We talk a lot about God as our friend, and and he is. Last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus is a friend of sinners, but God's not only our friend. He's also the creator of the universe. We've been around for a few years, a few trips around the sun. God was here and created the world, and God was here before the world was created. So when it comes to wisdom about how the world works— God's wisdom is so much bigger than ours. So understanding that means that when, when my wisdom and God's wisdom don't line up, the higher my view is of God, the more I think, you know what, I think I'm going to lean towards God. When God says something that I don't agree with or don't understand, 
my general idea is, well, God is so much smarter than me. I think I'm going to press into God and figure out why he's saying that because I believe that God is probably right. Because the opposite of this is not very attractive. Did you notice what the second part of that verse said? Fools. None of us wants to be called a fool. Fools despise God's wisdom. None of us wants to be that person. You don't want to be that guy. Fools despise God's wisdom. But if we're totally honest in this moment, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but if we're totally honest, you and I can trace back our biggest self-inflicted wounds, our biggest regret, our biggest heartache, to a time, and you might not even have known it at the time, but to a time when, when God's wisdom would say one thing and your wisdom would say something else, and you and I, because we're not that different, we chose our wisdom instead of God's. And you can trace back your biggest heartache, your biggest regret. And I guarantee you, it was either the fact that you chose your wisdom over God's or someone close to you chose their wisdom over God's. And anytime we do that, it leads to regret and pain and heartache. But the beginning of wisdom is this high view of God. The second key to unlocking a life of wisdom is from Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It says this, We already talked about the fear of the Lord, that reverence. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then he adds to it, I want you to underline, knowledge. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if the first step is to put God in his rightful place, that God and I are not equals on this journey of life, that I'm not just right above God, in my opinions, but that God is actually like way above me, then the second step is to get to know God. Because the more we get to know God, the more we will trust his wisdom. We know this is true in life. Think about your boss right now. Think about your spouse. Or if you're young, think about your parents. We have a hard time trusting people that we don't know, right? Have a hard time trusting our boss if we don't see him as anything other than our supervisor. Have a hard time following our spouse, engaging with our spouse if we don't trust them, and we can't trust them if we don't really know them. But the more we get to know someone, the more we will trust them, and the more we trust them, the more we'll want to follow them. And the same is true with God. I don't expect us to follow God if we don't trust him, and we'll never trust him if we don't know him. So the question becomes, how do we get to know God? Because I believe that the more we get to know God, the more we'll find that we can trust him. And the more we find we can trust him, the more we're actually going to want to follow him. And we get to know God by spending time with him. I've said this before, and I will say it till I don't have breath in my body anymore. 15 minutes a day, getting to know God will change your life. 15 minutes a day. That's not a major investment. 15 minutes could change your life. And I want to say this. There's a difference between getting to know about God and getting to know God. Anyone who's been on a first date knows the difference, right? In a first date, we're trying to get to know about someone. We want to know where they work, what their family's like, any psycho tendencies they have, you know, <laughs> the basics. We want to get to know about them. I was thinking back to my first date with my wife, Maria. This was our first date. She got to know a lot about me. Uh, I was in Wisconsin where she was living, taking uh, a Bible class out there. And in between this all-day-long class, I said, hey, I, I um, instant messaged her because that was really big back when we were dating. I said, hey, I'd like to take you on a date tonight. She said, great, you plan it, let's go. Here was our first date. We went to Wendy's for the dollar menu. Yeah. 
And then we went to the cheap movie theater to watch Kingdom of Heaven. Here's what she learned about me on that first date. Um, I am extremely fiscally responsible. Fiscally responsible. Translation, cheap. Yeah, I'm very cheap. Yeah, she learned that about me. Uh, She learned I have great taste in movies, which is good. Here's what I learned about her. She puts up with a lot, which is all I needed to know. (laughs) Because I knew that we could work out if she could put up with my junk a lot. But eventually, we move beyond getting to know about someone in dating, and we want to get to know them. What are their dreams? What are their hopes? What makes them tick on the inside? What do they love? What do they hate? What are their quirks? It's all good to get to know about someone on a first date and a second date, but wouldn't it be tragic if 20 years into marriage you were still just getting to know about your spouse? At some point, we, the more we love someone, the more we move beyond getting to know facts and figures about them and starting to get to know them. And this is what God wants with us. If you're here right now and you're just checking out Christianity, it's fine to get to know about God. I'm glad you're here because I believe the more you get to know about God, the more you'll see that you might actually trust God and want to have a relationship with God. But at some point, we want to move beyond getting to know facts about God and actually get to know God. I remember about three and a half, four years ago, I decided, you know what? I want to get to know God even more than I do right now. So I decided from that day forward, every day, I would never miss a day reading my Bible. I put it on my calendar. I would never miss it. 15 minutes a day. And for the first three and a half years or so, it was really, really good. I was getting to know God. I was growing. I was learning things. And then about six months ago, something happened. I switched from that getting to know God into this routine and this ritual, getting to know about God, kind of checking it off my list, doing my Bible reading. I remember one night falling asleep and then waking up thinking, I didn't read my Bible. Crap. Shoot. I mean, it's what I said. Shoot. And that's what I said. It's a crap. He said, it's a crapshoot. That's good. Helpful. (laughs) And so what I do, I grab my phone. I grabbed a verse and read it. was like, oh, thank goodness. (sighs) Went to sleep. Okay, that's not exactly what God's hoping for in getting to know him. That's legalism. I'm going to read my Bible 15 minutes a day. That won't change our lives. So I decided a number of months ago, uh, I need to I need to break this pattern because the other thing was I'd gotten kind of prideful about it. I knew how many days I had gone without missing a day reading my Bible. That's not really something that you want to track if you're really growing in humility. Um, So I did something that if you were raised in the church, this may seem sacrilegious to you. So just hold on. Just hold on. Don't throw tomatoes. Um, I actually put my Bible down and didn't read it for a week. Your pastor just, I quit my Bible. Cold turkey for a week. Put it on the coffee table. You guys know your, your Bible is there, some of you. It's okay. I'm just, that's a joke. That's just a joke. I know we're all reading our Bible every day. By the way, uh, there's an invisible plexiglass shield here, so you can't charge the stage. You don't know, but you can't get through, actually. So we're fine. We're safe. But I had to reboot, you guys, because reading my Bible is just becoming getting to know about God. And that doesn't change anybody's life. It doesn't just makes us kind of arrogant. Like, I know more about God than you do. I know more Bible verses than you do. Nobody wants that, least of all God. And then after a week, I picked my Bible back up and I said, God, I just want to get to know you because getting to know you is where life change happens. And I want to give you some some things I did to help me get to know God again. You might want to write these down in your notes. If you want to get to know God, a great place to start is the Gospels. They're the biographies of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the beginning of the New Testament of the Bible. And they tell the story of Jesus. 
Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus said, I came to reveal God the Father to you. If you want to get to know God, start with Jesus. It's a great place to start. So I started reading the Gospels and just getting to know my friend Jesus again. Another thing I did was I started reading Christian books from Christian authors that helped me get to know God more. Back when I was doing my Bible reading every day, um, I got into this mindset that said, if I'm reading a Christian book, it doesn't actually count as spending time with God because it's not the Bible. Okay, that is really legalistic. This is just confession time here. I'm talking about just getting to know God, and there are some great Christian books out there. I'm reading one right now that I think you would really like. It's called The Good and Beautiful God by an author named James Bryan Smith. And it's all about Jesus, and the tagline is this, getting to know the God that Jesus knows. It has been so good for me to get to know God through this book. It might be a good book for you if you're just looking for a way to reboot and get to know God a little more. 15 minutes a day. Do you have it? Do you have it? Marked on your calendar, 15 minutes a day. Do you have a spot? Get away at your lunch break. Take a 15-minute walk. Grab a cup of coffee. Or you sit down, and the only thing you're on your agenda is, God, I just want to get to know you a little more right now. If you do, God can use that to change your life because the more you get to know him, I'm telling you, the more you're going to trust him. And the more you trust him, the more you'll want to follow him. Following God is where we find wisdom, and that's where true life is found. And the final key is this. It comes from Proverbs 4, 7. Solomon says, the beginning of wisdom is this. He says, get it, grab wisdom, attain wisdom, even though it costs, and this is the last part, it costs all you have. So circle that. It costs all you have. He says, gain understanding. Here's what Solomon is telling us. Wisdom will have a cost associated with it, and it'll have a benefit associated with it. Wisdom's costly. Following God in this world is going to be costly, but the cost of not orienting our lives around God's wisdom is even greater than the cost that we have from following God. Following God, following his wisdom, is going to mean reorienting our minds about the way the world works. Sometimes following God's wisdom is going to change the way that we think, the way that we vote, the way that we work, the way that we shop. Sometimes following God's wisdom will require us to spend our time, our money, our energy differently than we did before. If you're single, following God's wisdom will affect who you date, and how you date. If you're married, it will affect how you engage with your spouse. God's wisdom is all-encompassing, but there will be a cost associated with it. It will affect our everyday lives. And because of that, we're going to look weird to the world around us. And that's okay. But that means that sometimes you'll be misunderstood. That means sometimes you'll be judged. That means sometimes we'll be criticized. That's just part of following God. It's just part of it. Solomon says there's a cost associated with God's wisdom. There's a cost, but even though it costs all you have, he says, grab it because the cost of not following is so much higher. Remember I said earlier that the biggest avoidable regrets we have, I'm telling you, if you trace it back to its root, it started out when either we chose our wisdom over God's or someone around us 
made their own choices instead of choosing God's wisdom. And it caused heartache, and it caused pain, and it caused regret. And God loves us too much to want us to live with needless heartache and pain and regret. So he comes to us and he says, guys, I'm giving you my wisdom. And beyond that, I'm giving you my spirit to live in you, to give you the strength to do the things I'm calling you to do, to be the women and to be the men I've created you to be because I have such great plans for you. And they come, they come, not just when you say, you know what, I'm gonna follow God in this area and this area and this area, but these areas over here, I'm gonna keep to myself because the result of that is gonna be a net loss in life. The life that God created for us, it comes when we say, God, my whole life is yours. I'm going to orient my whole life around your wisdom. When we do that, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. It changes everything for us. And here's how I know that God can be trusted in this. And by the way, if, if you if you tuned out at all, check back in. If you don't hear anything else, you've got to hear this today. Because this is the center point of the Christian faith. We can trust beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has our best interest in mind, that God's wisdom is right even when we don't understand it because of Jesus. Because Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, he saw our situation, that we had this thing called sin in our life that had separated us from God that was hurting us and hurting those around us. It was all those choices we were making that were outside of God's wisdom for us. And it was causing nothing but heartache and pain and regret. And Jesus knew we could not make our way back to God because God is perfect. And if God's way up here and we're down here, the best we could hope for would be to come up a few feet, but we're still miles away from God. And so God left heaven and came to earth. Jesus lived a perfect life. And then he gave his life on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. That's a story that never gets old. He took our sin upon himself so that we could be forgiven. He paid the penalty with his own life. God died on our behalf, and then God rose from the dead. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, breaking the power of sin and death and destruction. And he did it to tell us this, you can trust me, because Jesus gave everything for us. Jesus didn't hold any part of himself back, but he gave himself completely for us so that we could know that we could trust him completely. And here's what Jesus is asking us in response. He's saying, would you, in response to my great love and my giving everything, would you give yourself back to me? Would you trust me enough that you wouldn't hold back any part of your life from me, but that you would open yourself up completely? And there are some of us who are here this morning, and even as I've been talking you can think of one area of your life where you've just kind of kept the door shut to Jesus. You followed his wisdom here because it made sense. You liked it here. You liked it there. But there are one or two areas that just don't make sense to you and you've been holding the back from God. And I want to invite you, take a step to trust God a little more today and open that area up to him. When you do, you're going to find that God will work in that area and change things in a way that you never imagined. But there are some of us here and we can't figure out. We've been coming to church. We like the music. We like the people. We have a good sense when we leave here, but we feel like we're just missing something. Could it be that there's an area of your life you're just holding back from God? 
And he's not asking you for partial surrender. He's saying, trust me enough to give your whole life to me. And when you do, that's where transformation will happen. Some of us, maybe that's, maybe that's you. There are others of us here, and we're just checking out Christianity. And up to this point, we've had a, a closed sign on our door. We've been checking it out. We've been window shopping. We like what we see on the inside, but there's a closed sign on the door. And Jesus is just knocking on our door. He's saying, hey, open up. Open up. You can trust me. I'm here. And I want to invite you, if you're here today, and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never turned your life over to him, you've never invited him to be your savior and your leader, then I want to invite you to do it today. To say to God, God, I want to have a relationship with you. I'm opening my doors of my life up to you. I'm inviting you to come into my life and to lead me and to guide me. And I'm asking you to forgive me and to transform me. If that's you, if, if you've never made that decision and moved God from distant deity to personal heavenly father, then I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a second. I'm going to pray. And first, I'm going to pray for all of us. And then I'm going to pray for you if you're ready to make that decision and give you a chance to respond to God. Here's how you would do it. I'm going to give you a chance to repeat a simple prayer of commitment where you would say, God, I want to have a relationship with you. It's that simple. I want to have a relationship with you. It's no magic formula. It's no magic spell. It's just committing your life to God, saying, God, yes, I want this today. And God hears and responds 100% of the time. And if you're ready to do that, then you can do that right now. So let's close our eyes. Let's pray together. First, I want to pray for all of us. Lord, over the course of these last eight weeks, we've enrolled in the School of Wisdom. We've asked you for your guidance and your leadership and your insight into specific areas of life. And God, you've come up big for us. You've showed us in compelling ways the wisdom of following you in those specific areas. And today, as we zoom way back out, I'm asking that you would help us to be a community, that you would be with my friends in this room, help us to be women and men, who would fully open every area of our lives to you. Would you give us the courage and the strength to not hold back any area? And in the quiet of this moment, Holy Spirit, would you search us? And if there's any area that we've been holding back from you because we don't trust you, because it seems risky to follow you in that area, because we don't know what you're going to ask of us, if there's any area, God, would you reveal that to us? And then would you give us the courage to invite you in to that area of life? Would you give us the strength, God, to follow you in that area and to experience your best as we lean to your wisdom? As we continue to pray, if you're ready to commit your life to God, to start a journey with him, I want to tell you God couldn't love you more than he does right now, and he has been waiting for this moment since the creation of the world. You can start this journey with God by simply reaching out to him, saying these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And I want to have a relationship with you so would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like 
to follow your wisdom every day from this day forward. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.